0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. And what an exciting day today is. This is, this is going to be a great, great day. You're going to be so thankful that you came to church, came to DCC today. You see, we are in week two of our Summer Sabbath series. And if you're unfamiliar with Sabbath here at DCC, every July I call the, the church to a month of Sabbath. And we're in week two of our month of Sabbath. And this is our living room. This space right here is our living room. As a church family, this is where we congregate. This is, this is where we gather together to celebrate with each other. This is where we mourn together. Uh, this is where we meet with our Heavenly Father uh, in family meetings. And, and here we allow Him to pour into us. This is our living room. This is the place where that happens. And last week I told you that... God longs for us to create space. He longs for us to create room, to make room, to make living room for him to abide in us. And, and that's so easy for, for a lot of us to do that with our, our souls, with our salvation, but there's other areas that God longs to dwell also, and unless we create space there, we're not welcoming him into those areas of our lives. And so last week was about creating living room, space for God in our occupation, And man, we had a great interview with the Smith family. If you didn't see it, you need to go back and and, and watch that interview online. It was just a great time um, just getting to to know them and and their Sabbath story and their experience. You know, when I talk about creating space, you're comfortable. I'm just going to get comfortable if you don't mind. Um, When I talk about creating space, what I'm really talking about is margin, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's creating margin, creating space in our lives. And margin is that, is that space between our load and our limit. And I think sometimes we get this thing so messed up that, that we, we let our load far exceed our limit. Our limit. And, and if we're not careful, this is the very thing that's going to burn us out. And it happens in so many different aspects of our, of our lives. You, you might think, church, that you're invincible. But the truth is, without Christ, you will be destroyed. You might think that, that there's no limitations to your human capabilities... And I understand we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But without Christ, you are are going to be conquered. Have you ever read a book without margins? Now I've got my Bible here and and my my Bible has a little bit of margin space all the way around the pages here. But have you ever read a book without margins? Probably not because they don't create too many books without margins. and, and, And there's a reason why. First of all, it creates a, an easy place for you to hold on to your book to where your fingers are not in the way of your reading. But you know, they've, they've done some studies and reach, research shows us that margins actually give us a place for our eyes to land. So when you get to the end of reading that sentence, your eyes have a place to land and adjust. That's why margins are created in the books that, that you read. You know, also... When you were driving to church today, there was margin on the roadway. The, the road, the lane that you were in, it, it's not just the width of your car because all of your cars are not the same width. And so the roadway, the lane, is actually wider than your car. And if you, you came to church on, on some good roads, you know, those, those county roads, you know, the good roads, um, that there's probably extra space. There's, there's even more margin on the side of the road, giving it a, 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 a little bit of a, a cushion, if you will, so that if, if you happen to wander or stray off of the path just a little bit, and if you're really, on a really, really good road, there's some, some little bumpers there that, that will catch your attention, you know, letting you know you're getting into that margin space. Now, there are some roads out there that they don't have much margin, they don't have any living room there. And, and when there's no living room, it's a very dangerous road to travel. And church, I want you to listen and grab hold of that this morning. Because when you're going down the wrong road of life, and there's no place, there's no safety net, there's, there's no margin on the road that you're traveling, it's going to end up in a head-on collision with something. And so we have to be careful with that. I um I want to read this morning from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, very familiar passage of scripture here. If if margin is the space between our, our load and our limit, guess what area of our lives this affects the most? It's our finances. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Uh, if you're a guest with us, you're probably thinking, oh, I knew this was going to happen. I knew the pastor was going to start talking about finances. For, for those of you that are, this, you call this church your home church, you'll know that I, I don't talk about finances a lot because I know that there's a stigma that comes with that. And, and, and let, let me say this. A matter of fact, I, I think this is important for me to go ahead and address this right now because I, I, I want to make sure everybody knows what I'm talking about. Through the faithfulness of, of the DC. Seers, of the, of the Destiny family, throughout the coronavirus pandemic, when, when a lot of churches are struggling and, and suffering, having to lay off staff members, this church has had some of the highest offerings of the year. When we were online, you were so faithful. And you continue to be faithful. This church has not been hurt at all financially. And church, I want to commend you on that. Thank you. Thank you. So, so I say all of that because I want you to understand that this isn't a pastor's appeal because we need more money. And we're certainly not one of those churches that we're going to take up three or four offerings before you walk out of the room today. That's not how this works, okay? Okay. If you choose not to, you're still just as welcome at this church as, as anyone else. But but there are faithful people in this room, and their lives reflect the hand of God and the blessings of God because of their faithfulness to Him. God is faithful to them also. John chapter six, starting at verse one. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberius. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Now let's pause there just for a moment. This is one of those great teachable moments in Scripture where the teacher plays dumb to see if the student knows what they're talking about. It's very plain that Jesus said this to test him. Jesus knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was about to multiply some fish and some loaves of bread. He knew that. But he asked this question to test his student, to test Philip. It's like a dad asking his young son, Son, do you know the difference between a flathead screwdriver and a Phillips head screwdriver? The dad knows the difference. He just wants to test his son to make sure that he knows the difference. It's like a mom looking at her daughter and saying, do you know the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon? Mom knows the difference, but she wants to make sure that the daughter knows the difference. It's like a coach that asks his player, coming out of halftime, do you know which goal we're shooting at? The coach knows which goal they're shooting at most of the time. There was this one moment when, we were, when I was coaching at Newberry High School, and uh, we came out of the locker room at halftime. We were playing Union County. And, and we walked out of the locker room, and, and their team was already on the court. They had set up their offense at one end of the court. They were inbounding the ball. We sent our players out onto the court, and they inbounded the ball, went right down to the other end and laid it up, They fooled us. They set up their offense at the wrong end of the court. Do you know that has haunted me? That is the worst play in my coaching career as far as defense. And so I always made sure, players, which goal are we defending? Which one are we shooting at? Because you've seen it happen before. They get so used to shooting at one end, and then they go down to the other end, and and they forget that that's the actual goal they're defending. So with all of that said, coaches ask their players, Which goal are we shooting at? Not because the coach doesn't know. Because they want to make sure that the player knows. Verse 7. Philip answered him. 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given things, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw this sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come to the world. A church, all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the Gospels share some similar details of this event. This was such an important event that they all decided that they would write about it. They all say that, that Jesus had the people sit down. They all share that part of the story with us. They all say that, that it started with five loaves and two fish. They all share that detail of the story. They all say that Jesus took the bread, blessed the bread and then distributed, gave the bread. They all, they all mention that. They all say that there's 12 basketfuls left, left over. They all share that with us. But, but John shares with us this one important detail that the other Gospels don't share, and it's in verse 9, and it says, there is a boy. There is a boy. You see, he's not even significant enough that they would in- include him in the count of people there. There were 5,000 men Women and children were not included. He's not even significant enough that they would include him there, but he is the most significant player in the story besides Jesus. Why is he the most significant player in the story besides Jesus? It's because there's, there's this kid that shows up prepared. It, do you understand that there were adults that were at this event that did not show up prepared? There are grown men and women that came to hear Jesus speak and they did not come prepared. They did not pack a lunch. This kid, whether he packed it, his mama packed it, his daddy packed it, whoever it was, this kid shows up prepared for the event and, and, and to be there for a long time so that, Jesus, so that he can hear Jesus and Jesus can minister to him. And so there's grown men and women that did not come prepared. And if you want to be blessed by God, you can't show up unprepared. Listen to me, church. In whatever area of your life you want God to bless you in, you must be prepared in that area. You know, whatever you bring to God is what God blesses. If you bring your family to God, God blesses your family. He wants something to multiply. This is how Christ works. He wants something to multiply. And everything in the kingdom of God, everything in the kingdom of God leads to multiplication. Your salvation... It leads to multiplication in the kingdom of God because it's a discipleship process. We are to, to grow in our faith to where we can lead others. Listen, if, if you've given your heart to Christ and you're not leading others, if you're not discipling others, then you need to find someone to disciple you, to, to get you to that place because you are to be multiplying. The kingdom of God is about multiplication. And when you invest in someone and they invest in someone and they invest in someone, suddenly your harvest is multiplying. Everything in the kingdom of God leads to multiplication. It's God's divine mathematics. And, 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 and he may have to subtract some habits from your life. He may have to divide some friendships and, and then add some others. But everything that God does in, in, in his divine mathematics, it always leads to multiplication because God wants to bless. And when God blesses, it multiplies. And today you get to hear one of those amazing stories Of how God has multiplied In some people's lives I want you to put your hands together And welcome the Green family Dane and Melissa will you guys come up Oh when I said The Green family some of you got excited You know how fun this is about to be don't you So I know there are a certain amount of nerves that are probably involved when you, when you get to sit up here in front of all these faces that I get to see every week. Um, really quick, um, Dane, if you will, just introduce everyone to your family.
1: Um, I'm Dane. This is my wife, Melissa. Um,
0: Make sure you hold that microphone up. There okay. you go. Yeah.
1: If you didn't hear me. I'm Dane. This is my wife, Melissa. My two kids here sitting in the front row. I didn't think we fit on the couch. My son <laughs> is Huck. My daughter, Dallas.
0: Huck? Dallas, go ahead and stand. Let everybody see who we're talking about there. Yeah,
1: stand
0: around. <laughs> let, let, me, let me tell you something. You don't even know about this, but f- before service, when, when I walked out and I was just talking to a few people here, I walked over and I was talking to them. And Huck informed me that while you're up here, um, he's, he's got your, your um, area of security covered here oh, okay. at the church. So, <laughs> so uh, I, if anybody was going to come and mess with me right there, he had me covered. He was ready. He was even talking about what size gun shells and everything he would use. So <laughs> <laughs> you might not want to mess with Huck. <laughs> he takes things to the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you guys for joining us up up here today. And and just relax. It's it's your church family, and um, it, it nothing has to be perfect and polished here. We're we're good, right? Church. Yeah. Amen. 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 So, Dane. Um, Many people may not know this, but your family was actually at our inaugural service in 2006, right? Yes,
1: sir. Yeah. We were actually, uh, my family, we actually attended years of church at the old Newberry the old Church Newberry of God. The old Newberry Church
0: of God, yep, yep.
1: Born and raised in
0: it. And so we, we came here, we replanted a church, and uh, I'll never forget in that old sanctuary where we first started our church, it, it has a very low front door anyway, absolutely <laughs> big wooden front door, but it was, it was a short, wide door. It looked, like, it looked like it was made for hockey players to walk through. I mean, it's just wide, mm-hmm. and if you've ever been in a, a, a locker room for hockey players, their doors are really wide, and that's what it looked like to me. And I'll never forget, I was up at the front of the, the church, standing in the pulpit area, when, when the, the greens walked in. And I did not know them at the time, but when the greens walked in, it wasn't just you. It was your brothers, your mom and dad, everybody came that, that Sunday. And it was like Goliath and his brothers walked <laughs> in the room. I mean, they, they all had to duck to walk into the door. It was crazy. It was crazy. Now, take me back to 2008. Explain to me what life was like in the green household.
1: 2008 was tough. Economy was struggling, Um, business was bad, so, you know, life in general, the way we had our finances, I guess you could say, built, was, um, keep him
0: straight, girl, keep him straight.
1: Yeah, she does, trust me. (laughs) Uh, uh, So we had financially built everything pretty much around my overtime, and with the economy struggling like it was in 2008, all of our overtime had been cut. You know, we got cut back to 36 hours one week, 40 hours the next. You know, so you got your average of 38 hours so that they could still deem you as a full-time employee. Um, it was, it was tough. I mean, when you went from working 60, 70 hours a week back to, you know, the bare minimum, and, uh, it cut my pay basically in half. Mm. And we went from, to be honest with you, even with the overtime, you know, some weeks struggling, to now, like, what are we going to do? You know, at the end of the week, you know, Melissa would make sure everything got paid, but, you know, the term house broke comes to mind, because mm-hmm. everything would be paid, but there was nothing left. I mean, you know, ate a lot of Roman noodles, and stuff <laughs> like that at the time. <laughs> yes. You know, it was, you know, done everything I could. I mean, I've never been afraid of hard work. So it was like, you know, I'm, you know, God, I'm working as hard as I can. I don't know what else to do to make ends meet. And it was, it, it put a lot of stress at the time on our marriage. we had a fairly young family at OA. I think Dallas was about to put her, what, three years old. So, you know, she's running through the house like a wild person. And, you know, Trying to wrangle her in and trying to become, you know, good parents and not wanting to ever see her ever see us fight and feud. But, you know, when you're having money issues, it puts a lot of stress on your marriage because, you know, you want to be able to go do things and you have fun and so on and so forth. And when there's nothing left but to just sit around and look at each other, that's about all that, that's about all we could do. And I think she got tired of the way I looked. To be honest with
0: you, I mean. <laughs> oh, you're bigger than me. I'm not even going to comment on that. So yeah. there's not too many people I have to look up to. But man, you, yeah. um, you know, and you're not by yourselves in that. Um, It's still the number one cause of divorce is finances. Why do you think the enemy does not want some of you to hear this testimony of what's being said today? The reason why your mind is starting to tune out for some of you right now is because the enemy knows the financial blessing and the unity that's going to come to your home through this financial blessing of learning to trust God. So, strain on the marriage. Um, Now, Melissa, you started attending DCC faithfully in February of 2013. Um, It took Dane a little bit longer but not too much, but a little bit longer. Tell me about it.
2: Yeah, um, I was at a point in my life where I just felt like I needed I needed God back in, and I had a relationship with him, but I wasn't living my life the way that I should. I wasn't praying as often as I should. Um, I needed that guidance, and he wasn't really providing it because I wasn't going to church and having those relationships. Um, so I tried a few churches. He, he was adamant that he wasn't going to go, and I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm just going to go by myself. And I did. I took both kids and tried a couple churches, um, but nothing felt right. Like it wasn't. They didn't have either. Didn't have the children's programs that I was looking for. The women's ministry, or I didn't feel welcome. I just felt like I was just sitting there by myself the whole time. Um, so some friends of mine decided to go. Some friends from work decided to go to DCC um, one Sunday morning, and I was like, All right, I'll go. And I went. And um, from the moment I walked in the door, I just felt so welcome and loved and cared for. Um, And it did. It took him a little bit of time. I I went a couple Sundays without him. Um, But then the grow team showed up at our doorstep unannounced one day, um, like they do. That's our visitation team. Visitation team, I know. So the visitation team showed up and they prayed with us. And during that time, of course, we were still struggling financially. I was not really happy at my job situation. They prayed for me with that. They talked to the kids. They talked to him. And after they left, he said, I think I might go with you on Sunday. And he came after that. And after that, we've been
0: faithfully ever since. It's awesome. Man. For, for those of you that are on our visitation team, don't ever think that what you're doing is not working. Yeah. No, it,
1: I, can, it, I can honestly say it was life-changing that that. You know, I know she's not here right now, but Miss Beverly, when she came to the house, and you know, at the time I had a beard down to here. I think I was in a, a grungy white t-shirt had just, had just had <laughs> just got off work. I mean, I was as country as I could get at the time. I mean, I, I've refined my ways quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I mean, and she took the time to just see through all that, and it 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 seriously did change. It, it changed our lives. I mean, not just mine.
0: So you guys started attending DCC, but, but the, the finances were still an issue. Um, what got your attention?
1: So, I don't know. We've been coming, I guess, oh, we've been coming quite a while, you know. And uh, one Wednesday night, you started a, a series on The Blessed Life. And um, it's a series by Robert Morris. If anyone hasn't watched it, I strongly suggest that you do. Um. During that series, there was a comment made during the series, something to the nature of a guy had asked Robert Morris, you know, how do I gain financial stability? And Robert Morris asked him. He said, well, do you pay your tithes? And the guy's like, well, no, I don't. I don't have the money to pay my tithes. And Robert Morris replied to him, well, then you'll never gain financial stability. Mm. And that that hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, I, I got home that night and I told her, I said, you know, I'm trying to do all this on my own, you know? and I don't want nobody to think I'm, I'm doing it all on my own. I mean, she was right in there with me, helping me, but we were we were trying to make ends meet every way we could without including God. You know, we had God in every other aspect of our lives, but we were not trusting Him whatsoever with our finances, and you know. To be honest with you, several times, I mean, I tried to reason with myself, like, that's, you know, that's needless. I mean, that's pretty much pointless to pay tithes. That's just money set aside that I could be using for something else. And so after we, we talked after we, and we, you know, we were excited then to go back and hear more on that series, you know. After the series concluded, you know, her and I talked. and. I said, you know, we, we've we got to create this, this area to where we can, can actually pay our tithes. And I told her, I said, I don't care what we've got to cut, what we've got to do, but starting this week, I said, we're not waiting any longer. Starting right now, you know, we're, we're paying tithes on what we make. And, um, it, it's, it's, been amazing, almost immediately.
0: You know what's interesting? Uh, I just remembered this. Um, that same series, "The Blessed Life," and if you've never watched it, as he mentioned by by Robert Morris, Robert Morris is anointed to to preach about finances, and I, I can't say that about every every pastor, um, and especially TV preachers, because uh, I'm not that guy that that um, believes in the prosperity gospel. Okay but he has an anointing, and it's a very practical yet supernatural belief in it. In that same series on the the Wednesday nights when we were watching those videos and I was leading that discussion, I'm sitting on the front row in that middle school auditorium where we were meeting, and conviction hit me off of something he said on that video. And for what some people, what some of you don't understand and what you don't know is that, say I've been a tither since I was 14 years old and I landed my first job. I don't know any different because I was born into a pastor's house, and Dad was going to make sure that you paid your tithe, you know. And so I started paying tithe at 14 years old, and my needs have always been met. I can't say I've always had an abundance, but my needs have always been met. While I'm watching this series, and and for me as a pastor, there's a perk that I have, and as long as it's there, I'm going to use it. As some of you have perks with the IRS that you use too. Um, I can assign part of my salary to housing and and it gives me some tax benefits there. Well, for years, because I assigned that to housing, I always tithed off of our our salary and I looked at that differently and I still gave 10% of it, but I gave it to wherever I wanted to. If I wanted to give that 10% to missions or if I wanted to give it to children's ministry or to youth ministry or whatever, sitting in that series, that same series on those Wednesday nights, God convicted me and said, that that tithe is, is mine. He, that's what he says, and, and you know, the, it belongs to him. The first 10% of our earnings belongs to God. He says, I lay claim to that. And he said, you don't get to choose. This is what he dropped to my spirit. You don't get to choose where that goes. I get to. And, and man, I'm telling you, it hit me. I was, if you remember that Wednesday night, I had tears in my eyes. I mean, it just shook me that all of these years I had been doing that wrong. And, and the great thing about God is grace. And it, all I had to do was make a change there. He didn't want me to have to go back. You see, it wasn't Old Testament where I had to go back and start paying you know, uh, interest on all of that. You know, and if you're living in the Old Testament, that's what you had to do, right? You had to pay interest on all the mistide. No, I just had to make a change and start trusting God from there. And so he changed my life with that. So after you started tithing, what changed financially for you guys? What, what did you see happen?
1: So, shortly after we had started tithing, and this is probably within a couple months during this period, you know, immediately hours started picking back up. You know, I, I was able to gain, you know, and you, you hear me say 2008 is when it, you know, had started. Business had been in a lull for several years. So, business kind of steadied out. We started uh Gaining more hours, I was able to work pretty much all I wanted to. So, the money was coming back to normal. And um, shortly thereafter, um, the company I worked for got sold. I mean, it uh, come in one Monday morning and there's new signs on the door. I'm like, yeah, what's all this? Well, the company that bought us is not publicly traded. I had been buying through a paycheck program I had been buying stocks in the old company, you know. And trust me, if I could have got them, I would have a long time ago, but they were basically untouchable. I was not able to access those stocks. But when this company bought us out, part of the negotiated sale was that, you know, they had to pay all the stockholders out a, a, a pretty substantial rate of what, of return on your stocks. So, um, we didn't know really what all that meant, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm no money market analyst. I promise you that. So we, I walked down to the mailbox one afternoon, checked the mail, and there's a forty-seven and some change thousand-dollar check. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on. In the mail. Wait, how much? Forty, like forty-seven and change, thousand dollars.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And How many of you want to start giving right now? You just <laughs> ushers get the buckets.
1: <laughs> I know I can say some people that may not be life changing for, but for us that money was life changing. We were uh at that moment, I mean, I trust me when I say I have a lot of pride and it's hard for me to sometimes even talk about finances, but you know, at that time, I was I was two months behind on a, on my vehicle I was driving. I was able to call the bank and pay it off completely. Oh, no, praise I was the able Lord! Able to call the bank.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: Pay her vehicle off completely. Pay some credit cards that we had got just to try to keep afloat with you know, and you know, basically we went from paycheck to paycheck, just trying to survive to gaining a a breath of financial freedom that we had never had before. And, And it didn't take a lot of money to get us there. But it took money that there was no way that I could ever lay my hands on, no way that I could ever seem to achieve that point of getting to. I mean, we had gotten some credit cards, like I said, just to try to keep ourselves afloat that had just terrible interest rates. But our, our hands were tied. We had to do something. And I mean, just to call, I mean, you'd have paid on them for 30 years, it seemed like. They were like a mortgage, and they just hung over your head, and you never gained anything with them. And just all of a sudden, just to be able to poof pay them off, I mean, that was a feeling that's indescribable, really. And then it's just, it's to be honest with you guys, the the blessings like that's never stopped. I mean, it's, it's you know, Get home in the afternoons. Let me check this mail right quick. See if there's not one of them in there. Because <laughs> it, it's it's and it's it's small stuff sometimes. I mean, you may get a gift card for 50 bucks that you know you had you, you weren't expecting anything like that or do something for somebody completely selfless and then a month later in return you know you get a hundred dollars or something. I mean, it's it's just it, the blessings just never stop. And, I mean, it's, it's unreal. We, we joke about it all the time now. You know. Ooh, what's next? <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Give and it shall be given. Yeah. I mean, it's, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It keeps on. You give, God keeps on blessing. You know, when, when Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves and he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children, it says that there were 12 basketfuls left over. And it shows me that God's blessings, it's not at one time, it's residual. It just keeps coming. And so God wasn't done. You got this, this major financial blessing, and God wasn't done. Tell us about the job promotion.
1: So, you know, like I said, the hours had started back where I could work 60, 70 hours a week. And it's, it's never been that I was ever afraid to work. I mean, I've, I've been there with the company I worked for for almost 20 years, and come in one Monday and they're like, hey man, you need to go see the plant manager. Went and talked to him, He's, he says, I need you to work in the storehouse for the next few months you know, while we try to find the right fit for the job. Okay, whatever, man. So, you know, I get up there and immediately I just, I start making the place my own. You know, I start doing the things I would do if it was my job. and a month to the day that I had been up there, they came to me and just offered me the job permanently. Well, with that job promotion, it doubled my pay.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, praise <laughs> the Lord. Wow.
1: I went to, you know, not to brag about numbers, but I've got a substantial pay raise. I mean, it's, it's been, again another life-changing event that I can only attribute to me starting to honor God with my finances. And
0: let me say this about Dane because this is one thing that he told me. He said, man, I am not the guy that would normally get up and want to, to brag on this kind of stuff. And, and the truth is you're bragging on God is what's happening. But he has felt this in his spirit for, for a few years now. And he has told me at any moment, he said, we've been so blessed at any moment when you're ready for me, I'll tell this story. And this is that moment, man. And you're not bragging on, on your accomplishments. You're bragging on
1: God right now. Yeah, I'm, I'll, never, I'll never hide what God's done for us. Praise the Lord. Um, that's, that's not an option to you know, try to hide what God's done, the blessings he's given us.
0: Now, every woman has a dream home. Tell us what your dream home looked like
2: we were living in a single wide trailer. There was no storage. The walls, part of them were falling apart from water damage and you know just falling around around us. And I felt like uh I felt like I really wanted something that I could call my own that I could be proud of to have people over. Um, I wanted something with a big kitchen that I could cook because I love to cook, um, granite countertops, And stainless she is a steel. good cook now.
0: Let me say, <laughs> the girl can cook.
2: Um, I wanted the stainless steel appliances and the his and her, you know, sinks and the his and her closets and the big vaulted She had ceilings. really big dreams.
1: <laughs> 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 the dreams are still going. <laughs> um,
2: I had, um, you know, I wanted the kids to have like the split, fl- split floor plan in the, um, hardwood floors, all that stuff. Um, so I did, I, I never really thought that that would even happen for us. And, um, I went to the beach retreat one, I guess it was like the first one that they had, um, I think it was, well, 2014 was the beach retreat that I, or sorry, 2016, um, we'd gone to the beach retreat. I prayed on the beach like that whole weekend about how I you know, knew that God was, it was time for us to get a house and time for us to, to get one, and, and I wanted him to provide, and I knew that he would. Um, we had looked at a house two years prior um, that we wanted, but just financially we could not afford it, and we knew we, we couldn't afford it. We were in a better place, but it still was too much. Um, and when I got back from the beach retreat, that, um, same exact house had gone back on the market. Um, and we put an offer in on that same house, didn't even look at it, um, put an offer in and within 30 days we were in the house.
0: Oh, praise the Lord. Wow. <clears throat> and, and you were renting out the old one, the, the old single wire. Yes. you're renting that out, yes. um, <laughs> Had some fun times with that, huh?
1: Ooh, yeah.
2: <laughs> the rental business is not for us.
1: Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit too hard-headed to be a landlord,
2: I <laughs> tell you. They, um, we got a phone call. Um, we decided we really wanted to sell it, but we got a phone call from our tenant, um, and they said that they decided they were done. They didn't want to live there anymore. They were moving out. Like we didn't give any notice, and we, at the time, we were just charging. A little bit more we had a little bit of cushion to just in case they were late on a payment or something like that to pay Um, but we weren't charging really enough Um, and so they left us with the mortgage the second mortgage Um, at the time I was still making I was making enough at work that I could cover that mortgage with the extra money that I was making so it really wasn't a financial strain for me more it was worry that we'll ever sell it Um, so that was difficult Um, he is very and takes things with strides and doesn't worry about anything. I'm more, even though I wasn't worried about the financial part of it, I was still, I thought that nobody would ever buy it um, because they had destroyed it. There was tons of stuff that we had to clean up and they just kind of left us with a mess. So um, at the advice of our realtor, Meg, we decided to go ahead and put it on the market as is and see what happened. And during that period of time, he kept telling me, he's like, do you have faith that it'll work out? And I was like, yeah, I have faith they don't work out. He's like, "Well, you seem worried. You cannot have faith and worry at the same exact time. You have to choose one." Mm. Mm. And I don't like it I was when he's preaching. Right. I don't like it.
0: <laughs> I do not
2: like it when he's right. Um, but he
0: Bishop he was, Green over here giving us, giving us his sermon.
2: He was so right, and that at that moment I feel like it was my. What was that? Shush. I feel like it was my. Like I was holding on to the house. I was holding on to the fact that God. I knew, I knew in my heart that he was going to do it, but I wasn't fully giving that that to him. I wasn't turning it over to him. Just like we turn over our finances, I didn't turn over that house situation to him. I was holding on to it and trying to do it myself. Um, but once I finally said, okay, God, I know you're going to do this, and I trust you, and I'm not going to worry about it a single day, within a few weeks of that, um, we got a cash offer for that house and did not come out with anything out of pocket. Matter of fact, we had 300 bucks left over. <laughs> Praise so, the Lord. I mean, Amen. That was fantastic. Yeah.
0: You know, that is the spirit of Sabbath, though. Church, don't miss this. Sabbath is about trust, it's about trusting God. That's what That's what Sabbath rest truly is. It's about trusting God. So, before we close this thing up, I want to give you guys an opportunity. If you could offer any advice to young couples in the room today as it relates to finances, what would you say? What would you tell them?
1: Oh, it's this could get long-winded if I ain't careful. But, so, you know, I feel like with your finances, it's much like your Christian walk. It's a lot about submission. Um, when you become married, you know, you submit yourselves to one another. And, you know, That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to submit your life to Him and submit all the areas of your life to God. Not just hold on to the ones that you think you're strong enough to handle on your own, but submit completely to Him. And just when it becomes, as far as the finances go, be very aware that God is is there to help he's not there to hinder at any step of the way if you'll submit your finances to god and trust him that you know in your heart that he's going to take care of you and provide for you it may not happen tomorrow it may not happen six months down the road but he will provide what you need if you will if you will submit and into his will and give him that first fruit because I'm telling you, the, the, the storehouse has plenty. Mm. It, it really does.
0: Amen. Amen. Would you let them know how much you appreciate them sharing their story with you? you. Great job. Man, I can listen to those testimonies like that all day long. All day long and, and all across this room there are people in this room that you too have learned to trust God with your finances. You know the, the economics of Sabbath are to your, your advantage. I hope you understand that church. Everything about Sabbath it's to your advantage. Seven days of prosperity for six days of work. Who else is going to give you that kind of return? Seven days of prosperity for six days of work. That's what God said that he would do for you. That's what he said he would do for for the Israelites. Matter of fact, he told them, he said, you know, on on the day before Sabbath, I want you to go gather twice as much of the manna because I'm going to make sure you don't even have to work on your Sabbath day. This is God's economy. This is how God works. And and, and we can't find that deal anywhere else, but it has to go beyond just a day of the week. I've told you last week, I'm going to continue to preach this. What you have to understand about Sabbath is we are not legalistic about this. It's not about a day. It's about a lifestyle. Sabbath is about trust. It's about total submission and trust to God. And and, and that trust has to become a lifestyle. And so when you give 10% of your income to God, what you're doing, now think about this. Think about our our topic. When you give 10% of your income, the first fruit is what it's called, the tithe. When you give 10% of your income, you just created space in your finances. Would you agree with me on that? If you give away 10% of whatever you have, it creates space in your finances, and and it's it's a 10% hole for God to fill. God just doesn't give back. God multiplies. That's his promise. He multiplies. Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. He multiplies, and, and, and God is never going to force his blessings into your lives. God is a filler. He's not a forcer. God is a filler, not a forcer. And so when you create space in your finances for God to inhabit, God says, I'll come in and I'll fill that. And when I fill, I begin to multiply. You don't need more money in your budget. Somebody here needs to hear me. You, you need to understand what, what, what you need is not more money. You don't need more money in your budget. You need living room in your budget. That's what you need. You need some space for God to inhabit and rule and reign in your budget. That's what you need. And and so you have to ask yourself that question. Is God welcome in my finances? There's a lot of good people that are going to heaven that they struggle financially this side because they do not trust God with their finances. You say, I'm not even questioning your salvation on this. I'm saying there are areas in our lives that God wants to bless, but we must be willing to create space for him to inhabit. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He said, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he says these words, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I've told you this many times, church, whatever you invest in is what you fall in love with. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart always follows your investment. And if he cared enough about the church to die for it, why wouldn't we want to invest in it? You see, I, I really wish there was a way that I could present this to you and say, Don't bring it here. Don't don't bring it to this church because you know, I want to prove to you that this is not about us getting your finances. And you see, I've been a tither, as, as, as I said, since I was 14 years old. I know what it's like for God to always meet the need of my life. He, my entire life, He's done that. I've never gone without. He's always met the need. But the truth is that I can't send you anywhere else because what He says is to bring the tithe to the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. He lays claim to this. And He says, I want you to bring it to my house. And it's the only place in scripture where God challenges us to test him. He says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. It's the only place where we're allowed to test God. And I have offered that challenge to people so many times throughout the years. The the stories are too numerous to tell to where I've challenged someone. You test God in this. And when they test God, their life is significantly changed financially. It's what God it's what he wants from us but more than that it's because he wants to bless us and you have to trust him in order for him to bless you you know sabbath rest is is when you trust god with your finances there's no sleep like sabbath sleep none when you're able to disconnect from the concerns and the worries that's what sabbath is about Quit worrying about the job. Quit worrying about the finances. Quit worrying about how this is going to get done and that's going to get done. And just take a day and, and just relax in me. As, as That's how Sabbath was birthed. There is no rest like, like Sabbath rest. And you and I both know there is no rest like the moment that you lay your head on your pillow knowing that all the bills have been paid and there's still money in the bank. There's no greater rest. There's no greater rest than to know that my God has met my needs. He has supplied according to his riches and glory. And that's the promise that we have. I told Dana and Melissa before our service today, I said, listen, we're going to end this service today and it's going to feel a little anticlimactic. This isn't one of those topics that that I can have people around the room just kind of stand up I mean, what would you say hey if you're not trusting God with your finances and you know stand right now I want to pray for you and you know it's just not one of those topics where you want to call people out with that but I assured them that this will not go forth and return void the word that was preached today the testimony that was shared is going to change some of your lives because some of you have already been challenged and you're going to walk out of this room and forever be changed. Financially, your life is going to be different than it ever was before. Today, a seed was planted and I believe that it's going to bring forth a harvest. Church, let's pray. Father, I pray right now that everyone that can hear my voice, Lord, would understand the heart behind what is being said God it's not that you need anyone's money you just want their trust and so God I'm asking you right now Lord I'm asking you Lord to let us search our hearts God calls us to question our motives calls us to question what we are keeping and hoarding and and stopping you from blessing. God, whatever we share with you, whatever we give to you is multiplied. Take our loaves, take our fish, as small, as meek as it may be. And God, you multiply. God, I believe today that there's going to be people in this room that they they give out of out of the little that they have. And when you bless, Lord, the abundance will feed thousands. I believe people will come to know Jesus Christ because of people learning to trust God with their finances. And God, if there's anything in this church, if there's any reason why, Lord, this is not Good soul, fertile soul. God, you look at, at our leadership. You, you cause us to, to look at it. God, I thank you for the accountability that we have here at this church. But God, if there's anything that we're not getting right financially, Lord, you help us. You help us purge, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you
2: for listening to the podcast of DCC.
0: For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org.
1: Thanks again for listening.